Welcome to the St. Andrew Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you believe, or whether you even believe at all, you belong here. A reading from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 2 and verse 6. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. I am delighted to welcome the Reverend Eugene Cho to have him with us today. Reverend Cho has many passions, and um, his commitment involves leadership, justice, the whole gospel, and the pursuit of God's kingdom here on earth. Eugene is the president and CEO of Bread for the World and the Bread Institute, a prominent nonpartisan Christian advocacy organization urging both national and global decision makers to end hunger, both in the United States and around the world. He is also the founder and visionary of One Day's Wages, a grassroots movement of people, stories, and actions to alleviate extreme global poverty, and the founder and former senior pastor of Quest Church, an urban, multicultural, and multi-generational church in Seattle, Washington. For his entrepreneurial work, Eugene was honored as one of 50 everyday American heroes and a recipient of the Frederick Douglass 200, included in a list of 200 people around the world who best embody the spirit and work of Frederick Douglass. And in 2017, Eugene was the recipient of the Distinguished Alumni Award from Princeton Theological Seminary. He is the author of two acclaimed books, which we have just outside of the sanctuary, if you'd like to purchase those afterwards. The first, Thou Shall Not Be a Jerk, A Christian's Guide to Engaging Politics, which was published in 2020. And the second book, Overrated, Are We More in Love with the Idea of Changing the World Than Actually Changing the World? Eugene and his wife, Minhee, who is also here today, have been married for 23 years, and they have three children. They live in Seattle, Washington. Would you join me in welcoming the Reverend Eugene Cho? 
All right. Thank you so much, Pastor Amy. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, my wife, uh, as uh, Pastor Amy shared, is joining us today. Uh, Minhi, can you stand real quick so maybe people can also just recognize you as well? Great. Uh, we are now marching towards our 27th year and uh, just had our second of our children uh, leave the home. We have two kids that are working in New York and our youngest is a rising junior in college. Uh, I'd like to think that many of you are thinking you look like you're in your 30s. Uh, if you are, be blessed and uh, praise God for Asian genes. Um, it is a, a joy and a privilege to be able to, to, to gather and to be with you today. Uh, we have limited time, and I want to just dive right into uh, our um, conversation, our proclamation from God's Word. But I do want to take a moment to, again, just introduce you to Bread for the World. Uh, in case you've never heard of Bread for the World, I want to give you a short homework assignment this week. Whenever you have maybe 10 minutes to search bread.org on the internet and just to learn about the Christian ministry, about the ministry of the largest, most impactful Christian anti-hunger advocacy organization here in the United States. Uh, Bread for the World, uh, as Amy shared earlier, we exist to urge our nation's lawmakers to do all that they can to help end hunger here in the U.S. and around the world. I am so grateful for what you do here at St. Andrews. I'm grateful for the food pantries. I'm grateful for the ways that you support direct relief services, that you partner with local and international organizations. We need churches to do all of that, and we also need our nation's lawmakers to do more. Last year, on October 19th, President Biden signed into law a particular legislation that Bread for the World was working on for three years. Uh, passing legislation is not an easy thing. For three years, we worked on a bill called the Global Malnutrition Prevention and Treatment Act. And after three years, signed into law a bipartisan bill, and this one bill will impact tens of millions of women and children around the world. At the end of last year, we helped pass something called Keep Kids Fed Act, which is now being implemented right now, impacting 30 million children around this country who rely on food through their schools over the summer. One bill. And I hope that you'll get a chance again to learn more about Bread for the World. And through my talk today, my hope is that this will give you an opportunity to understand why we should hunger and thirst for righteousness and also know that God is calling us to advocate, to do all that we can to ensure that men, women, and children here and there and everywhere have enough to eat. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8, 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all those who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Say a word of prayer with me. God, thank you again so much for this opportunity 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. And all God's people said, amen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Uh, Earlier, uh, your pastor shared a bit more around the context around this passage. But if I can just maybe give one more insight, some of us might be familiar with a hashtag called hashtag blessed. Remember that? Maybe you've used it. Maybe on your social media posts. Maybe in conversations you would say something like, I'm having an amazing vacation with my family, hashtag blessed. And for a while, I would see this constantly in conversations and particularly on social media communications, a descriptive and hashtag blessed. In some ways, it speaks to what gives us joy and happiness. The Beatitudes, one could argue that this is Jesus's framework of what blessedness is, of what meaning and purpose looks like. See, if we're not careful, I think from a human, earthly level, our understanding of hashtag blessed can simply be about what makes me temporarily happy. It's possible that if you're like me, maybe it's our possessions. In a very materialistic world, it's stuff that could make us happy. It's wealth and horsepower and degrees and the list goes on. Remember that adage, the person with the most toys in the end wins. Now, I'm not knocking those things. I'm not knocking our homes and our cars and our possessions. I'm not knocking the 17 fishing rods that I have. It's a confession right here. But I think what Jesus is saying is that while those have its place in our world, what gives us true blessedness are not just these things. What gives us meaning and purpose and true joy and contentment is when we see things through the eyes, the hands, and the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the lens of the kingdom of God, which is why we're told, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And this is why Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, are so important because he's giving his people a sense of compass. Because everyone's looking for meaning and purpose and joy and contentment. And this is why he says here in this reading, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Now we'll get into this a little later. Jesus isn't just talking specifically here about a hunger for nourishing food or a thirst. He's using that as an analogy, as a comparison. 
But I think it is important for us, again, to take a moment to understand what righteousness is. In a deeper spiritual meaning, righteousness, very simply said, is the quality of being right with God. Now, there's bad news and there's good news here. The bad news, friends, is that in this desire to be right with God, the bad news is we cannot do it alone. All of our possessions cannot do it. All of our achievements, all of our degrees, all of our blank cannot do it alone. All of our morality cannot do it alone. That's the bad news. The good news is that the bad news does not have the final say. The good news is that we are not on our own, but as your church declares again and again and again, for God so loved the world, that this is not some nebulous concept. God so loved you, Denver, this country, the nations, that he sends his only begotten son so that you and I would not be in separation with God, but be united to God through the life and the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Good news. Truly good news. You and I, because of Jesus, can pursue the righteousness of God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But this is also where we could be misled. If we're not careful particularly in a culture and society that revolves around individuals, around self. If we're not careful, we may end up reducing our relationship with God. Christian spirituality, we can end up reducing discipleship merely to what I call a me, myself, and I spirituality. My discipleship, my quiet time, my walk with the Lord, my small group, my church, my denomination, my tribe, me, me, me. And if we're not careful, it ends up becoming a personal, exceptional, supreme theological framework that revolves around me. And if we're not careful, that's not just a partial gospel. It's not just a limited gospel. I would actually contend that it's a false gospel. And as we read the whole of Scripture and the whole of the gospels, including Matthew chapter 5, we learn that Jesus cares not just that you and I are seeking the bread of life, 
but that Jesus also cares that people have enough to eat. Sometimes theologians call this not just individual walk with Jesus, but collective human flourishing. In other words, we believe that you matter, your walk with Jesus matters, but the world, our neighbors, our city, our nation, and the nations matter. That means that pursuing justice matters, truth-telling matters, reconciliation matters, black and brown bodies matter, indigenous people matter to God, migrant and immigrant lives matter, the poor, the oppressed, the hungry matter to God. And if they matter to God, then it has to matter to his church. Collective human flourishing isn't possible with many things, but here this morning I want to share with you that collective human flourishing isn't possible without healthy, nutritious food. Remember the story in John chapter 6? The story known as the feeding of the 5,000, the multitudes? As Jesus sees the crowds, and please note that back then they only counted men, that pastors and theologians believe that if you were to have counted men, women, and children, anywhere from eight to 12,000 people may have been present. That Jesus saw them and had compassion on them, not just for their spiritual well-being, but because he knew that they were hungry. Now for us, oftentimes, hunger in our privilege might be a joke. Like right about now, some of you are having hunger, maybe rumblings in your tummy. And you're looking at your clock wondering, when will this preacher be done? It's that brunch phenomena on Sunday. It's a joke. We laugh about it. Or sometimes we talk about um, hanger issues. Do not look at my wife. Do not look at my wife. <laughs> we understand. But back then, as it is today, there are men, women, and children that simply do not have enough to eat. And we're not talking about a meal. We're not talking about a day. We're talking about bodies literally wasting, stunting. Friends, did you know that in a world of abundance, in a nation of abundance, in the wealthiest nation in the world, and some would argue in the history of humanity, we have approximately 38 million people in this country and nine million children that do not have enough to eat. It is nonsensical. And do you know that in our country, we waste approximately 35% of the food that we produce? Which is one of the reasons why this year, Bread for the World, we're working on something called the Food Donation Waste Act. 
Did you know that in our world today, right now, we are in the worst hunger crisis in the last 50 years because of COVID, issues of climate change, the rise of conflict? As many as 828 million people are unsure where their next meal is coming from. More than 345 million people are facing high levels of food insecurity in 2023. This year, and listen to this, it's more than double the number in 2020. In three years. Now, I don't have the time to go into all the reasons why that has been the case. But even as we speak right now, 45 million children, God's children under the age of five, suffer from something called wasting the deadliest form of malnutrition. It is simply unacceptable. And this is the reason why the church We have to be committed to something called the whole gospel, believing that Jesus transforms lives, but Jesus is also at work redeeming, restoring, reconciling the world around us. I love the prophetic wisdom of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who in one of his writings said, quote, a religion... True to his nature must also be concerned about man's social conditions. Any religion that professes to be concerned with the souls of men and is not concerned with the slums that damn them, the economic conditions that strangle them, and the social conditions that cripple them is a dry-as-dust religion. In other words, faith without works, is dead. Thank you for being a church that pursues this together. Now, I've got to wrap up my time here. In that story from John chapter 6, this miracle takes place because a young boy emerges from a crowd. When Jesus says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? I want you to know that it's my conviction that the majority of the people heard that question, even that many people. Jesus was teaching in this valley where his voice probably kind of echoed and reverberated and people began to trickle down his question, where shall we buy bread, for, buy food for these people to eat. And I also want you to know that during the biblical days, the times of Jesus, it was customary that when one set out in the beginning of a day, they packed a small little sack of food and placed it underneath their clothing. And they did this because of two reasons. One, They weren't quite sure what that day would hold for them. And two, because they didn't live in the societal context that we live in today. In other words, you and I, we don't live in food deserts. In the one mile radius of our home in Seattle, this is not a joke. I went to a Google Maps and found out in one mile radius, we have a Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, my number one, Ballard Market, Safeway. 
PCC community markets, take five urban markets and Ken's market, all within a mile radius. Back then, uh, there wasn't a Trader Joe's or a Whole Foods. So listen again. Jesus says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And I'm convinced that when people heard that question, some of them kind of clutched onto their little sack of food a little tighter. Does that make sense? Because as humans, if we're not careful, we tend to operate in a mentality of scarcity. Uh, Remember the beginning of the pandemic? And you went to the markets and you bought 50,000 rolls of toilet paper when you didn't need it? (laughs) Remember that? Remember how we were hoarding hand sanitizer like it was gold? Jesus says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And I'm convinced so many people looked away. As a pastor, I would ask our congregation, who here wants to volunteer to clean the basement of our church? And I'm looking out and you could just see people look away. In our home, we have three kids. We would ask when they were teenagers, hey, who here wants to volunteer to do dishes? And our kids would just look away across the dining table so as to not acknowledge the question. And what's powerful about this miracle is that in a sea of people, a young boy, and we can also actually safely assume that this young boy was a young boy from a particularly low economic status. Because the Greek version of the bread that he possessed was something called It was bread specifically made and consumed by the poor. And out of that question, this young boy emerges and says, in my mind, Jesus, I I like you. I like what you're talking about. I like your teachings. I like your blessed statements. And he says, my food is your food. My supper is your food is your supper. And Jesus uses his offering to feed the multitudes of people. This is why, friends, you and I can never abdicate the responsibility of Jesus' invitation to feed the hungry and poor just to others. You and I have to do our part And you and I can also lend our voices, speak up for justice and compassion. As I wrap up, I was doing some research a couple years ago about the amount of money that's spent on lobbying. And if I can just be very frank, bread for the world, we have lots of different arms to our organization. We have a research and policy analysis team. We have an organizing team that works with churches, hosting offering of letters all around the country. But we also have a government relations team that lobbies on behalf of those who struggle with hunger and poverty. In 2021, it's a rhetorical question. Don't blurt it out. Just think in your mind. Think about the industry in this country that spent the most amount of money 
lobbying. Just think about it in your head. Some of you probably are saying guns. Number one industry was pharmaceuticals. They spent $306 million. The second was um, insurance. Or let's be more specific. Think about the company that you think spent the most amount of money lobbying our lawmakers. Just guess in your head. It was a small little startup company called Facebook. $19.6 million. The second company showed up on your doorsteps this past week. It's called Amazon. And I get it that in a democratic society that people have the opportunity to express and elevate their interests, my question to you as we end is, who will speak up and speak with our neighbors who struggle with hunger and poverty that don't have those kinds of resources? Who will advocate on their part? Who will do their part to dignify and amplify the struggles of hunger and poverty? May it be you and me and us. May we collectively not just hunger and thirst for righteousness and May we also ensure that all may be fed. God, thank you again for this time. May you continue to deepen this church's mission and commitment to live out the whole gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or our vision to eradicate social isolation and disconnection by practicing the faithful presence of the incarnate Christ, please visit GoStAndrew.com. See you next week.